Hello and welcome to season three of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary. I can't believe we're still doing this. Oh my gosh, I'm Teej. And what what could possibly stop us, Mary? I don't know at this point. I honestly don't know. And I wonder sometimes. Season three, wow, it is really kicking it up a notch. Mary, we are cooking with grease this season. We are firing on all cylinders. Oh my God. And speaking of fire, I don't know about you, but I think there may be some explosive plot twists coming our way. (laughs) Did you say explosive? Yeah, are we this getting... place about to blow. Are we going to get sued? <laughs> Have the money. Please don't sue us. They can take all the royalties. We don't make any money. Because you know what? There's no real There's no real sponsors. But each week, we're going to have a couple fake ones. We sure will. And you're going to learn all about them coming up now on the Melrose Placecast. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Placecast. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 28, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. I'm Mary. I'm Teej. I had a different cadence in my mind when they read the title. I thought it was more like, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. I don't remember what I did even. You did Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. Oh. But I thought it was like, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. You see. You just kept it closer together and I drifted it farther apart. Mary, how was your Valentine's Day? Oh, it was so just romantic and wonderful. I just words can't even express the glories of my day. How about you? Did any of your uh, northern gentlemen walk up with a fish in their hand saying, "I'm making codfish"? God, I would love it if they would send them my way. <laughs> send them, send them over here. Actually, send them with the fish I already prepared. I, I don't want to make the fish. I want to enjoy the fish. Can we pause, dear listeners? Apologize in advance if this applies to you but these sick fuckers that like cook fish with the skin on and then just like gnaw into it looks like anything else with skin on it no this no scales scales there's scales on the fish like there's still skin on that sometimes yeah that's what i'm i'm saying those sick fuckers like there's eyeballs on their food well i don't like the eyeballs yeah when else do you see an eyeball on your food when I feel like you, probably some people that... Yeah, when you steal... I, I'm speaking from experience. When you steal from your four-year-old son's Halloween treat bag and you get a little gummy little gummy eyeball. Oh. It squishes like a real human eyeball. They really I'm, thought that through. Like, they knew what they were doing. They had Milwaukee gays to help out. Yep. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Mary, I am so excited to relive this episode. Yes, it was a, it was a jolly good time. Can I tell you the three quotes that I have to just win this argument with reckless abandon? I I love anything reckless. Yes. Okay. Quote one. This is from our dear friend, Sydney. I figure we're going to start with Sydney, right? (laughs) Probably. Probably. Okay. (laughs) Quote from Sydney. Are you pulling my leg here? Because this is really starting to get ridiculous. (laughs) Quote number two. Just to prove that I know how straight men operate. Mm Mm-hmm. From Jess, I hate to rub it in, little brother, but I'm the best she's ever had. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then three, just in case I falter on my first two arguments, I'm going gay with Matt saying, some people spend a lifetime denying their feelings. And oh, yes, we're talking about Kelly Clarkson in that moment. Well, you know what? I hope Gail listens in because she loves that. Gail doesn't listen to this podcast. and She doesn't even listen to the one she's on. 
She's very busy, to be yeah. fair. She's got a lot going on. Well, okay. Can but I get started? Kelly Clarkson, that might be enough. <laughs> we can't mention her by name without paying royalties. Gail? That makes sense. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Okay. Can We're I get a bill from Gail? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Can I tell you my first quote of why I believe it's high art for the generations? Please, please okay. enlighten me. This is again, it is Sydney saying, are you pulling my leg? I'm confident you're going to run through the plot on this one because I will proactively say it was pure trash. But Sydney found herself in a situation where uh, <laughs> some goons that Jane had that I think were related to Chris's goons, to be honest, Chris Marchette from JCPenney. Maybe. They were Maybe. models, model goons. Yeah. Uh, set Sydney up and made her look real stupid. And she, they had her go to a taco stand and said that the phrase is that you want a pastrami on rye. So mm -hmm. Sydney spent hours trying to order a pastrami on rye from a taco truck, which Donald Trump warned us if Hillary Clinton was elected would have been on every corner. So how Sydney would have known where to get a pastrami on rye, on rye if Hillary had been elected, we'll never know. Thank God she never went to Wisconsin for Sydney's sake. If Hillary had went to Wisconsin, there'd be too many taco trucks. There'd be no pastrami on rye anywhere. And no pastrami on rye, which, you know, no. I'm going to say not the worst situation. But here's why. You'll cover the plot. Am I correct? Oh, sure. I, I don't want to make assumptions, but I feel pretty safe. <laughs> That's a fair one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think you're touching the gay plot line. Uh, no, I left, I left that for you. That's okay. That's yours. <laughs> so I have to just tell you just a little mini bit of a story for why... Are you pulling my leg? Because this is starting to get ridiculous. Okay. It's high art for the generations. And it goes back to our teenage years, man. Mm, yeah. And when I say our teenage years, I mean yours, mine, and according to Spotify statistics, all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah. So it's, it's, the, it's the 90s, okay? Oh, and whatever. I was just a little gay teen in Milwaukee, you know? Uh, thankfully not allowed to go to the bars because it was a scary place back then. And I had some friends up in that town, Appleton, a little, about 90 minutes away. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my friend, Brian, who also never listens to cast fucking Brian, uh, would occasionally come down, pick me up, take me to Appleton for the weekend where we would hang out and then drive me back. Okay. okay? All right. Um, I was dating Brian's best friend at the time. Okay. Name redacted. Huh? Name redacted. Brian? No, the name is friend. Your, your boyfriend's name is redacted. Jeff. Jeff. Oh, it's he, not, not he, redacted. He owns Peepas in Palm Springs, California. Is that near Pastra the, the Pastrami? No, okay. So let me tell you. All right. So Brian would, would pick me up. Uh, okay. Brian, um, he, Brian with a Y because he's gay. Uh, I'm sorry, listeners. You know it's true. You know it's true. <laughs> Give me one example where I'm wrong. I don't know any Brian's with a Y, but I'm uh, isolated. Yes. Okay. So Brian, uh, we were hanging out. He was, um, we'll say, smoking a bit of marijuana. I don't want to implicate him in any crimes, but he was high as fuck. Okay. 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 And he, so it's like 2 a.m. on a Saturday night in Appleton, Wisconsin, and he gets the munchies because of course he does. Okay. Yeah, of course. So we got to go to the grocery store. Where do we go? Well, we're in Wisconsin, so we go to Woodman's. What a paradise. Now, oh. just in case our listeners don't remember, Mary, can you just uh, tell the listeners about the, the viral video of Woodman's recently? 
Was there? I don't, I'm not aware of this. With the pizza aisle, Mary. Oh, the pizza aisle. That was at Woodman's? That was at Woodman's, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, Woodman's is the biggest grocery store I've ever been in. But again, I'm from a very small place. But it is, it's, it's, they have, they have literally everything in the store. They have mm-hmm. everything. They have like an, like, the, if you've seen the clip Tej mentions of a frozen pizza aisle in a grocery store that goes on for like, it feels like it's 20 minutes and it's just like hundreds of frozen pizzas, that's Woodman's. And the first time I went to a Woodman's, I, I basically started to cry because it was, yeah. I was, I would have, I could have lived in that store and been thrilled for the rest of my days. I went to Woodman's the first time and I almost cried because I was overwhelmed with choice fatigue from the beginning. I did not know, like, how do you know how to decide between 18 different brands of corn? There's so many kinds of corn. Yeah. So many kinds. Well, I didn't have that problem. I just had Brian high as a kite. He had to drive because I don't have my license, right? And so he drives to Woodman's at 2 a.m. Now, is there a cautionary tale there? Yes. Should we be warning our listeners not to do that? I guess. Whatever. Don't do that. But We didn't have Uber then. Yeah, we didn't have Uber. What the fuck did you want us to do? My boy needs Doritos. Right. So I'm going to get him. Starving. He needs yeah. food. So, all right. So Brian drives. He gives me, uh, I think, 20, maybe 10. Uh, he just gives me cash to go in. And he says he wants um, a wholesome American meal. So a bag of Doritos and a bag of Oreos. Dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and and the two liter bottle of Mountain Dew. Not at the time, if you remember, not the two, not two of the one liter bottles of Mountain Dew. But do you remember that? The big drinks in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. 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 I, hard to believe as a country, we gained a trillion pounds during that time period. We were just so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> we so hungry. And, and listen, they gave us a food pyramid that said, eat as many fucking potatoes as you can. Why can't we have that back? Because <laughs> it was. Juice that was so wrong. <laughs> we, we ate all the potatoes. But we were supersizing things. We needed a lot of potatoes to fill those cartons. Because they were, we convinced ourselves they were veggie. You know, they're the base of the pyramid. It's a starch. Okay. Vegetable starch. No. So anyway, so I go into Woodman's. It's the middle of the night. It's 2 a.m., right? I didn't know they were open that late. They're 24 hours. I had no idea. This is, I'm, my mind is blown. It's okay. So I went, I had to go. Specific items. I had to get the Doritos, only the red bag, because there were only two flavors back then. Purple and red. It was blue. You're blue right. Red. Blue and red. You're right. You're right. Thank you. Let me have my Dorito. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to question. I listen. I didn't argue the points. I dropped it. Anyway. Okay, listeners. So this is all about why Sydney's quote is higher for the generation. So you're pulling my leg because this is getting ridiculous. Okay. I go into Woodman's 2 a.m. My best friend high as a fucking kite out in the uh, like in the parking lane. Right. And mm-hmm. as you go, I get the red bag of Doritos. I get mm-hmm. the bag of Oreos. I get the two liter bottle of Mountain Dew the, chilled, not on the not on the warm shelf. Wow. Okay. That's that's loyalty. And I'm going out. They, guess how many checkouts they have open at this time? I'm going to say three. One. They're just It's 2 a.m., Mary, in Appleton. So there's just the one register. And it's the 90s. So guess guess what you can't do on your own? Bag your groceries? Oh, my God. You can't check out by yourself. They don't have self-checkout yet. Oh, it was only oh. the 90s. I mean, we just got those. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... It's the 90s. So there's one checkout open. Okay. Okay. So I'm coming this way. All right. And then coming from this way is one of these biddies. She was this old lady, probably mid twenties. And I was, I was 16 at the time. Just leaning on that cart. Like, Oh, I gotta get my, my poor back. And this, this lady clearly is the type of person that is like, you know what? I'm going to do my grocery shopping when nobody else is at the store. Okay. 
because her cart is full, like oh. overflowing, right? Like one of those things. She's got the the sodas and the waters under the cart, probably with dog food down there. Oh, there's a bag of dog bag of dog chow for sure. Anyway, so we're both kind of coming up towards the register, landing at roughly the right, the same time, right? I mean, you know, what What would you do in that situation if you had a bunch of things and someone else is coming up with what is clearly a pot smoker's favorite meal? You got to get that pot smoker's food out to the car as fast as possible. So fast you let you can. the person with those three pot related items, let them check. It's going to take them a minute. Let them it's going to take them a minute, right? That's what you do. It's what you do, right? So I, you know, I don't rush because I know she's going to let me in because otherwise I would have ran in front of her. You want to know what she did? She didn't do the right thing. She rushed. She didn't just get there first. She sped up. That's not, that's not classy. This bitch rushes into the register. Now, listeners, again, I assure you, this has to do with Sydney's quote. Are you pulling my leg here? Because this is really starting to get ridiculous. Okay. okay. So she she rushes to get in front of me. So I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. And she's got, listen, so many things. We're talking high C Slimer juice boxes, Mary. Gusher fruit snacks because they're healthy. Well, they have juice. Yep. Form. Yep. We're dealing with Pop Rocks outside of Oreo cream, just like in the bag that you just pour in your mouth and watch your mouth fizz up. Alka-Seltzer. Sprite. Milk, so much fucking milk. Oh my God. Like lady, just get a cow at this point. Maybe by now she's wised up. Cereals like you wouldn't believe. Just all of the things. It was 90s, 90s, 90s. And she's just going through it. And I was like, this, I can't believe this. So anyway, I'm just like, what can you do, right? You can't argue the point with a checker. You're stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck. Okay, so I'm just there in my own little world and she's going through and she's talking to the person and I'm, you know, getting all, you know, pissed off because that, that was really rude. Like it was really it was, rude. That is rude. And that, listen, it has been over 25 years and I'm still pissed off at this lady for bum rushing in front of me. That's fair. It was like Brian's out there already breaking the law. I'm so hungry. So, so hungry for these Doritos. Yeah. He needs to hydrate. <laughs> he needs to hydrate with his Mountain Dew. Okay. So I'm sitting there. And then this lady, right? So first I was like, she's going to pretend like she didn't. I mean, she's not going to say anything. It was my assumption. But she's pretending like she didn't see me. But then she turns around and she looks right at me in my face. And then her, she like averts her eyes down and she just turns away without saying anything. And I was like, the f- the fuck was that right something else then mary i gotta tell you she turns around and looks at me again and do you know what's different this time what eyes red tears coming down oh and i was like whoop not what i was expecting right because i was ready to smack a bitch up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and oh god i get a little choked up remembering this because she just looks at me and she says i'm sorry like she's like struggling for words but but what she comes up with was i'm sorry my my son was in a very bad accident last year she didn't say what happened but i assume and you just looks just like him and i'm like oh hey like what do you say in that moment right and she's and then she just looks at me and she just inhales and she says i'm sorry and she turns to face the front again right and i'm just like holy shit i can't wait to tell brian about this right like that's that's what I'm thinking. And then after a little bit, again, she turns back to me and she says, I'm sorry. I know this is going to sound really weird and you you don't have to do it. But when 
when I'm done, can you just, it'll, it would mean a lot to me if you just said, I'll see you at home, mom. Okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like I agree to it because I don't know what else to do. I'm 16. I can't consent to this, right? I can't consent. So anyway, the chief finishes checking out. I've got just my three little things, the pot smokers parade right on the conveyor belt. And uh, I, she leaves. I walk up to the checker and, and, and kind of get out there. And I'm just like, oh, that was weird. And the checker's like, okay. And just scans my three things, right? And then she says to me, she says, that'll be $113.22 in 1990s dollars, Mary. Oh, inflation. It's easy for a pot smoker to get to $113 today at Woodman's. <laughs> but in 1996, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I just had these three things. And the checker could not be bothered, right? It was just like, uh, yeah, plus you, your mom said you were going to buy this stuff. And I was like, oh, oh my God, because I said, bye, mom. And I was like, holy shit, I got played. And I was like, that's not my, oh my God, wait here. And I run, like I go running out of the store, right? Because I realize like what's happening. I get outside and I see this woman and she is running through the parking lot, right? And I was like, holy shit, like, am I being robbed? Is that what's happening here? So I go running through her. So here's what Brian sees in his car, in the fire lane. He sees this woman, cart full of bags, plastic bags, that bitch, racing through, but it was the 90s. We thought plastic was fine. And she's racing through the parking lot. And after about 20 seconds comes me, flailing around, gay little hands, running through the parking lot after her. And he's just like, dude. And he sees us both go. And she's she's throwing her shit in the car. And I'm kind of getting close just as she throws her last bag in. And she, like, pushes the cart at me, Mary. Oh, no. <laughs> so, like, I stumbled around. And I kind of had to run, like, make an angle around the back of her car. And I, like, tripped as I was coming up to her. And I didn't know what to do. But she was getting in her car. But I fell onto the ground. I still have – it's on my left arm. You can see it. You probably can't see it on the Zoom. But I still have a little bit of a scar um, from where I scraped on the ground. Do you see that? Uh-huh. You do? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I scraped on it. And I like, I slipped on the ground. All I could do, her foot wasn't in the car yet. And I grabbed her foot, right? Like, so I was just like, I, didn't know what, I just didn't want her to drive away. So I'm just sitting there and I'm pulling, like, like just pulling. And she's like yanking back for me. And I'm worried she's just going to drive away and, and oh dra- drag me around. And I'm just sitting here. And all I could do as like Brian is high as hell over there. I'm just pulling on her leg, just pulling her leg like I'm doing to you and all of our good listeners right now. You got halfway through that. And that's what I remember. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) But I'm excited for anyone listening who just had this happen to them for the first time. (laughs) Listen, that story uh, is phenomenal. I realized my mistake. Any of our listeners who've been to Woodman's know they don't have conveyor belts. You just wheel your cart up and then the checker takes everything out. Oh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know you don't know those details, but that story is perfect when I'm telling it with Brian. Brian, if you're listening, you're not listening, but we should deliver the story again. But we would go, we would stretch this out for an hour in a coffee shop with random strangers, like Mm -hmm. arguing about little details along the way. Was it, was it blue or red Doritos, et cetera, to (laughs) add to the realism. So anyway, that's my story. I think, are you pulling my leg is high art for the generations because it reminds me of a fun teenage prank i would pull on unsuspecting coffee shop friends i don't <laughs> hate to lay down <laughs> would, would you like to make a counter argument about yes Sydney? yes i would yes yes uh 
to get us a little back on track, <laughs> I call this one, you know, pastrami on rye. <laughs> wink, wink. Wink, wink. Uh, so we start with uh, Jane and Sydney. They're at Mancini Designs. Uh, recap from last time, they were they made a deal to sell pantyhose on the cheap, mm-hmm. and there were drugs in the pantyhose. Mm-hmm. I forget, was it cocaine? It was something. It was like cocaine. Blocks Bl- of cocaine. Cocaine. Uh, so this is sort of the aftermath of that. And Jane's like, what did you do with the drugs? And Sydney says, I flushed them all down the toilet. Now, I've never had drugs to flush down the toilet, but from what I remember, there was a significant block of cocaine last week. So that must have taken a while. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a lot. Anyway, Jane's like, well, that was just step one. Step two is like, we got to get out of this contract for this pantyhose stuff. And Sydney's like, I left the messages. We need to, need to wait for them to call back. <laughs> oh 1995 jane literally grabs her and shakes her and she's like you little idiot you gotta get us out of this mess <laughs> it just then Jim- oh, knowing that jane is playing sydney like watching this storyline knowing that jane is pl- playing sydney is yeah. beautiful it's still <laughs> i'm still not convinced i mean jane's not any less boring it's still sydney making it interesting but i love it yeah um Oh, so the phone rings and it's Jim, the pantyhose guy, calling Sydney back. He's like, how's it going? And Sydney's like, not great. There were a bunch of, bunch of heroin in there. Um, <laughs> he's like, oh, we shouldn't talk about this over the phone. And she's like, oh, do you think the phone is tapped? And she's like, I, Sydney Vancini, had no prior knowledge of any criminal activity. <laughs> no, that doesn't. She's in the clear. <laughs> she's all good. He's like, you got to calm down. You know, we really connected the other day. Let's get together and talk over dinner. <laughs> Okay. And she says, yeah. And Sydney's like, just take a chill pill, Jane. I got it all under control. So she goes to meet with the pantyhose guy. He immediately whips out a badge and she tries to leave. But he stops her and he's like, I'm undercover FBI. I've infiltrated this drug ring and we're about to make a bust. Sydney's like, well, I thought this was all a legitimate business opportunity. He says, it doesn't matter. You're all going down. Oh, shit. If you want to save yourself, you got to resign as president. You got to get your name off of everything. Write a letter of resignation backdated a week before the shipment it has to look mm-hmm. like you had no idea what was going on she's like i don't know i need time to think about this and like what about jane which i thought was unlike her to think about and he's like there's no time girl i'm just helping you save yourself you're i'm putting my job on the line for you mm-hmm. and she's like well all right and she says what about jane and he says i can only save one of you mm-hmm. so we cut back to mancini design sydney's walking in and jane's like i hope you got this I hope the next thing you say is it's over. And Sydney kind of bullshit. She's like, oh yeah, they let us out of the deal because like they like to change businesses a lot. So it's harder to trace the drugs. <laughs> All right. Good. That was good. Not the worst. Uh, Jane is like, well, are they concerned that we're going to turn them in? And Sydney's like, oh no, they got enough dirt on us to keep us from squealing, which I mean, based on everything there, I, that, that makes sense. Jane is just glad their business is out of it. And Sydney's like, speaking of the business, uh she wants out she can't handle this she's too inexperienced and the pressure is getting to her and that's probably why she made such a stupid deal in the first place they should just pretend she was never president at all jane can keep the money too she deserves it (laughs) he hands jane a resignation letter jane's like this is dated a week ago and sydney says oh i've been thinking about this for a while (laughs) um Jane's like, well, what's wrong with this what aren't you telling me and sydney doesn't say she goes oh nothing i just want out Jane goes, okay. And as Sydney runs out, she's like, why are you rushing? And Sydney's like, oh, I'm double parked. Uh, 
Later, Sydney is on the phone with Jim, the pantyhose guy slash FBI agent. And she's like, I don't know what I should do. And he says, you need to get out of town, go to Palm Springs. There's a fast food place on the corner of 6th and Main. Once you get there, ask for the pastrami on rye. Mm-hmm. And Sydney is in a phone booth. She's scribbling all this down. And he's like, you get there, you tell the clerk at the sandwich shop, the pastrami on rye, and they're going to tell you the name of the hotel you should go to to hide out. And then mm-hmm. I'll come and I'll find you there after the bus. And she's like, how will I know who to ask at the sandwich shop? And he's like, no, don't just ask for the sandwich. Just ask for it. And she says, are you pulling my leg? Because this is really starting to sound ridiculous. <laughs> All right. He scolds her. Let's get one thing straight. I am saving your ass here. Since that's the case, you best stop questioning authority. Now, maybe if you'd done that in the first place, you wouldn't be in the jam you're in. And Sydney's like, all right, all right. It just sounds kind of dumb. That's all. <laughs> He's it like, does sound kind of dumb. It does. You know what? Sydney's right. She's right here. He's right. Uh, he's like, yeah, I know we're on edge, but you just do whatever I tell you. And then don't go cold on me, girl, because I'm going to make it all up to you later. So cut to Palm Springs. Sydney pulls up to this like food truck on the corner of a street. Uh, it's labeled Palm Desert Tacos. She gets up to the window to like place an order and she says, I'll take the pastrami on rye. And he says, we don't have pastrami, only tacos. And he points to the menu and says, tacos, burritos, enchiladas, just what's on the menu. And Sydney goes, maybe you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> pastrami on rye? You know, pastrami. Pastrami on rye. <laughs> wink, wink. The guy's like, uh, I'm working alone and there's another customer waiting, so I need you to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, is anyone else coming to work? And he's like, "Uh, yeah, my brother will be here at six. So she says, thanks. And she goes over and waits at a table. Now, here's what's unrealistic about that. In the 90s, at fast food industries, jobs, there was this belief that by law, you could not share other people's schedules because of safety. So like someone couldn't call and find out when you were working because safety, when really it was just the manager didn't want to deal with your friends knowing when you got off. <laughs> That's fair enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so later, the, there's another food truck guy working and he says, hey, lady, we're closing. Does she? I think she dozed off at the table. She and did. She goes up to mm-hmm. the window and she goes, hey, I'd like a pastrami on rye. The guy's like, you got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> they are just so like exasperated with her. I loved it. It's so quickly, like they just. Um, so she's like, you know, I was told someone here will help me with a pastrami on rye, and he's like, girl, we're closing, and there's no loitering. The order would go back. How rude to tell Sydney you can't loiter somewhere. He's so good at loitering. Like, why wouldn't you let her loiter? Uh, she pulls the order window back open after he closes it, and she pulls a full care, and she's like, isn't there anybody else on duty here? And he says no. And she says, can I talk to the manager? <laughs> it's really tickled my heart. Uh, back at Mancini Design, Sydney walks in and Jane's like, oh, are you here to see me get handcuffed and dragged to the slammer? Sydney's like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And Jane's like, it's over. Plus, I'm doing a photo shoot. And so we go in and there, sure enough, there are flashes going up. Sydney follows her in and Jane introduces her to her models who are Jim, the FBI patty hose guy, and the other guy who is mm-hmm. the whatever, I forget what his job was. Uh, we zoom in on Sydney looking confused. It's Vince and Jim who did mm-hmm. last year's former wear layout. Doesn't she remember them, Jane says. Jim's like, uh, did you ever get that pastrami on rye? And they <laughs> laugh at her. Sydney can't believe Jane set her up. And Jane's like, everything was fake. 
Well, not everything since Sydney's resignation was real. Sydney <laughs> dun, dun, dun. The double cross. Sydney can't believe that Jane would do that to her own sister. And Jane's like, are you kidding? With the number you've burned, I could have sold tickets to this. You don't belong here, Sydney. You never did. I suggest you vacate the premises before you're arrested for trespassing. Or Jane is so rude. So she said, what did she say about selling tickets? You could have sold tickets to all the people she's burned. To watch Sydney go down like this? Yeah. So Jane... Her sister is talking about her sweet sister saying, I could get people to pay money to watch Sydney go down. How yeah. rude. So rude. Sydney doesn't uh, do that anymore. Jesus. <laughs> so as Sydney Leash says to all freaks. Why? Why? Freaks was not the right insult. No, it wasn't the right insult. Um, this is a delightful little romp. What, what a caper. What a ridiculous storyline. Um, I don't believe Jane could have thought this up or pulled it off, but I enjoyed it very much. I do think Jane could have thought of this. Uh, But again, Jane Mancini with the underhanded triple double cross underscore sending Sydney to Palm Springs looking for pastrami from a taco truck. Like, why bother? (laughs) And Jane still comes off as the boring one. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it Josie Bissett? Is there anything she's in where she's not boring? Is it her? I don't, I don't know of any of her other work. I, are there any soap opera characters with pixie cups that are interesting? Maybe that's the problem. Well, yeah, but her hair's grown out at this point. I don't, I don't fucking know. Whatever. Anyway, pastrami on rye. That was a highlight. Just watching those taco truck people react to Sydney being like, pastrami on rye? <laughs> it's great. Uh... I would wear a pastrami on rye t-shirt. I wonder if those exist. If someone's listening and wants to make t-shirts, I would buy one of your t-shirts. Just one. Maybe like they could have like a little, like a cute graphic of like Sydney, like a little redheaded lady going like pastrami on rye. Like, <laughs> no. Wink. Wink, wink. Right, and on the back it has pastrami. With a question mark on rye. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, okay. So I feel like I went a little long with my first point. So I think I can be quick with my second one. Okay. But okay. are you going to be addressing the Jake, Jess, and Joe storyline? Um, like fleetingly. Okay. Let me cover what happened Please quickly. Do. Okay. So Jake, Jess, Joe, uh, Jake threw all of Jess's stuff into the courtyard and fired him. Was this because, was this because Jess slept with Joe? Yeah. 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 I think primarily. Yep. And Jess says, and this is the quote, I'll come back to it. I hate to rub it in, little brother, but I'm the best she's ever had. <laughs> a little bit of back and forth. And Jess says, I do appreciate you warming her up for me. All uh, right, so so Jess doesn't get a male feminist card either. He gets even less of one than yeah. Jake. Like, so they have a fight. I forget who's winning, but Joe comes down and yells, stop it, you're going to kill him. Who is going to kill who? Jake was going to kill Wolfman. Wolfman, all right, okay. So Jake was going to kill Wolfgang. Let's call it, I, I like Wolfgang. Wolfgang, okay. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so later we're at the bar. Jess picks a fight with some criminals. We know they're criminals, Mary, because they've got shifty eyes. Yeah. They look like the bad guys in Greece. Yeah. Anyway, they get in a fight, and or he picks a fight, and then they kind of calm it down. And he says, listen, don't fight me. I've got a job for you. Is this how that works in reality? <laughs> like, wait, let's stop fighting. I want to hire you to beat someone else up. Uh, <laughs> okay. I have to come back. I would have used that on my brothers if I had known. (laughs) Before we break, 
uh, remind me to tell you about rural Milwaukee. Okay. Sure. I'll come back to that. All right. So he says, don't fight. I've got a job for you. And he pays half the money up front to the criminals and they'll get the other half when the job is done and just assures them that he, the victim, Jake, we now know, has had this coming for a long time. Mary, it's been a while since I've watched. It's been five weeks since I've watched this episode. Was it clear at this point that it was Jake or were we supposed to assume that? I was think it, it was pretty unknown? clear. It was I, pretty I think it was, my guess is it was blatantly obvious, but the writers thought they were being sneaky. Yeah, I think they thought they were being pretty clever. I wonder if there was like market research that said like, listen, the Melrose Place audience is fucking stupid. <laughs> stupid. They're never going to see you this. Got, you got to nail it into their eyes. All right. Anyway, so uh, Jess sets this deal in motion with the criminals that he was fighting and then hired. And then he comes back to cel- have a celebratory dinner with Joe and... Uh, Jess explains that with Joe in his life, nothing seems impossible anymore. And that's great. Joe's like, oh my God, I'm, you know, Joe's got this, like, I got to, I got to rescue, rescue the men uh, part of her life. And Jess says, it's a very special night for me, Joe. Very special. Pause. Um, If you, listeners, if you are going to hire goons to stop fighting you and start fighting your brother, but your alibi is a woman two things one make sure it's not a woman in love with your victim mm-hmm. and two don't say how special this night is don't like make a big deal of like you ain't gonna believe this lady but something really big is happening to to me today this is this is the night i've been waiting for oh yeah it's you it's you because she'll she'll read like Women are, are, are hard to believe, smart creatures. I say hard to believe because the people that would do this are sexist. I don't think that way. But like women are smart. So like in the moment, Joe thinks you're talking about her, but she'll figure it out when she opens because it was in the 90s, the obituaries to find out why Jake hasn't come home, right? Obituaries. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Jess is like, it's a very special night for me. And then, it, you know, cut scene, blah, 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 blah. The criminals with the shifty eyes, uh, go in and they hold up the bar and Jake does the thing like he hands are up and out elbows at 90 degrees right and he's like hold on what do you need just give him the money and the guy shoots Jake in the chest mm-hmm. in the ribs the second time Jake has been shot this season or was it last season didn't uh yeah no Kathy Ireland he was this shot. season wasn't Kathy yeah Kathy Ireland was this season he got shot on the boat Jesus he got shot on the boat I forgot yeah and then blown up God, what's his what's his deductible? Like, did he did he get shot, did or did just shot? Daddy get shot? Daddy you know, got shot. I don't Daddy, know. Daddy got shot. shot multiple times. I thought Jake got shot. With the ship. Either way, this is not. Listen, you know how every New Year's Eve, uh, people are like, "This is going to be my year," right until they turn twenty five and they lose all hope for the uh, future. But yeah, yeah. this was not the year for Jake. Next year, Jake. Next year will be better for you. Season four will be Jake's season. Well, that's good. That's nice to hear. Anyway, so why, Mary, was my quote, I hate to rub it in, little brother, but I'm the best she's ever had. Why is that high art for the generation? I would like to know why that's high art. Yeah. Because, no, I know I usually lean on the gay storylines to be like, listen, this is what gay life is like. But yeah. I've been around straight people my whole life. Right? Yeah. Yep. You're anywhere. fucking everywhere. Right? And, oh, my God, like, just, why? why do you have to flaunt your sexuality with fishing poles and menards i get it menards menards yeah we get it okay for Everybody. listeners outside outside of wisconsin menards is a, a home improvement store there's a banjo theme song 
where you save big money at Menards. And they have the Christmas version. Yeah, and middle schoolers all over the Midwest love to make jokes about Menards. And apparently me and Mary too, about the name Menards. I, I where'd you retire. Where'd you go shopping? Menards. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Logan has told that joke yet. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. This is why it's high art for the generations. I hate to rub it in little brother, but I'm the best she's ever had because I've been around straight people enough to know that's how straight men are. They, the brothers will sleep with the same lady and compare notes. It's like a competition. You know how, like I can, I can relate it to the gay world where like you'll go to a party and you're like, oh, who's better at this particular act? And you'll all have to kind of test each other out. Straight guys do that with ladies, but they they do it over a more longer period of time. With ladies. With ladies. (laughs) Well, that's what makes them straight, Mary. I guess that's true. Yeah. So like like I said, straight bros, straight brothers, especially big brother, little brother, they go they go sleeping with a lady and then the lady has to cast a vote, right? And then you you get like a little they you put a notch in your belt every time you win. Who's notching up all these belts? Hmm? Hmm? How do you even notch a belt? I don't know. You just poke a hole in it. To signify that you're better sexer than your brother. Who's who's like holding up their belts? Like, <laughs> oh, straight wrestlers do that all the time. Who, but who's the judge of like whether who's better or not? Like the lady, the lady that the brother slept with. They aren't asking what she says. They're just arguing amongst themselves. The, They're not getting actual like factual. If, if you don't think both of these men are going to ask Joe at some point. You're crazy. Of course they are. They're the best. Well, yeah. So that's why everybody's got. You ever see a a straight man's belt, Mary? There's like eight holes, even though they only need one. Because they they all did this game. They slept with their brother's ex-girlfriend. And then they go poking holes. That's why they have all those useless holes. They go poking holes. Much like ladies. (laughs) (laughs) You better stop. Oh, can I tell you about rural Milwaukee? Yeah, please, yes, please do. Okay, so I think I told you uh, at our last episode about the new Melrose Place podcast, Bitch Slap. Yes, yes. I have to say, it's the best one. Oh, good. It is good. They're funny. They're dirty. Like, <laughs> dirty to, to make me blush a little bit. So, oh but they You're just- talking got... about useless holes. <laughs> I mean, they might not be useful <laughs> to you. <laughs> episode where uh joe is like still mysterious jake doesn't know what's up she was trying to sell the bracelet but it said to beth and when he said who the hell is beth instead of saying my name's joe beth i go by joe she was like you don't need to know anything about me you don't know my life anyway they make up and they went to this bar that was not shooters do you remember it it was out in the sticks and they pulled up in the parking lot and there's this bar like out in the middle of nowhere and Jake gets off the motorcycle and he's like, who's going to be here? Madonna? Because th- th- that was who was cool at the time, I guess. I don't know. Okay. But someone in L.A. sees Joe in, from L.A. In L.A. from New York. Sees Joe and says, Beth, where have you been? And remember, and Joe was like, we got to get out of here, right? And then they get in a fight with Jake. And Jake's like, you got to tell me what's going on. Who are you? What is your name, right? Anyway, these ladies on Bitch Slap said described the bar as someplace in rural milwaukee it looked like it was rural milwaukee have they been to milwaukee there's no rural in milwaukee we have thought about this 
I feel like out on the edges, the suburbs. I, I think, no, I think they just forgot that Milwaukee's not the state. Where where are they? Do we know? Uh, they talk about LA as though they're very familiar with it. So I think well, that, I think they're those still people. They we don't exist. Like we're we're for, not, we're not anything as evidenced because out here in rural Milwaukee, or maybe they think Milwaukee, what we think is a big city, is really rural to them because they're from LA. I mean, I guess compared to LA, and there the city goes out instead of up, like in New York. Yeah, there's no elevators. Mm-hmm. Suck on that, yeah. LA. Even here in my little town, we got elevators. Only four. Like four. four. Yeah. No, but not like work. four. We can count them. There are four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Count out loud. You got the one, the okay, two. Wait, wait, let me start on the, let me start on the okay. west side. The west side. All right. Which one is it? I, I don't want to recite where they are. Well, just give me clues, right? Like describe There's it. There's a hotel on the edge of town. A hotel on the edge of town. It has an elevator? The one with the old steakhouse in it? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. That's only two stories. Yeah, but if you got to move like a laundry cart when you're oh, out. and then and then the second one that's shaped weird, with the coffee shop in it. Yes, that one has yep. an elevator. Okay, then the corn cob looking building that they had to buy a special fire truck for. Yeah, right. That's got one. Uh-huh. Um, the building next to that has an elevator because my grandma lives there. What building next to that? Two story one, the old people apartments. Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, laundry machines right up front. Hospitals got three. The hot. Oh my god! We're up to. I don't know how you got to seven. I'm going to say three. I think it's three. I don't think the schools over there do. The school in the middle of town does. All right. And so does the Catholic school. Okay. All right. Man, you got so many elevators. You could practically be LA. Yeah, you could be LA. Okay. We only got up to eight for the record, but whatever. No, we didn't come. We we stopped there. We didn't. There's hotels down that way. Oh, you know what? The big white hotel. Remember? When when Logan thought it was our hotel, because it's where we always stayed before we moved there. He thought we owned it. Mary, we should take a break. This has been fun. This has been a lot of uh, information that most people are going to fast forward through. (laughs) I think people are going to love love the grocery store story. People love grocery store talk and me counting elevators. (laughs) They can't get enough of it. Now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing what they need to know about Woodman's though. Okay. A whole pastrami and rye aisle. I wouldn't believe. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, oh. This week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. Anyone who's anyone in Palm Springs know there's only one place to go when you're hungry. Yeah, that's right. Of course, it's pastrami on rye. Pastrami on rye. Ah, conveniently located on the corner of 6th and Main, Pastrami on Rye has everything. Tacos, burritos, enchiladas, and everything else on the menu that's conveniently printed on the side of the trailer. You <laughs> can come waltzing up to the order window where there's one person working and ask for anything, anything that's on the menu. But if you walk up and you ask for the Pastrami on Rye, mm-hmm. well, Sister Sledge, you're looking for a hard reboot because if you Guess what you won't see? Look real close. Yep. There's tacos, burritos, enchiladas are still there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'll be damned. There's nary a mention of a pastrami on rye. <laughs> and bad news, you can try repeating yourself and say, I said pastrami on rye, you know, pastrami on rye, but it won't get you a pastrami on rye any faster because we don't have them. We don't have any. Look, 
maybe you're wondering if we're pulling your leg because this is really starting to sound ridiculous. Well, let's get one thing straight. Pastrami on rye is saving your hungry ass here. And since that's the case, you best stop questioning its authority. Maybe if you'd taken pastrami on rye seriously in the first place, you wouldn't be in the jam you're in. Hungry and searching for flavor? You could take your, it just sounded kind of dumb to me, talk. And you can shove it in a sack, honey. And don't even think about asking for the manager because we don't have one. You can visit <laughs> pastramionrye.rye and enter promo code WINK WINK for a coupon good for one free hour of loitering at our picnic table on your next visit. It's pastrami on rye, you know? Pastrami on rye. <laughs> oh my God, Mary. We, I First and foremost, can you get me a pastrami on rye? Can I get you one? Can you can you get me a pastrami on you know a pastrami on rye, Mary? I don't understand. Then you, I'm ordering a pastrami on rye from you. Like, do they a, vegan? A pastrami on rye? Never mind. I'll wait. I'll wait for someone else. I'll wait for someone else. I'll wait for someone else to come in. What There's time are you done? One employee. What, <laughs> what time are you done working? I'm done at six, and then I start working again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pandemic times. Oh, what a time we've been alive through. Do you know what is so disappointing to me, Mary? What? That our dear sweet Rhonda isn't ca- cashing in on this pastrami and rye revolution. Well, maybe she's, maybe it's in the works. You might call it a pastrami and rye revolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if, now, do you, do you think they would like, do a compromise and make like a pastrami burrito or tacos pastrami. They don't have any pastrami. Like that's the real problem here. I get it. I get it. But like, but like on rye, you know what the thousand Island and the Swiss. Is that what's on the rye? A pastrami on rye. Can you just fucking give me the hotel information? I I don't know what, this is a sandwich shop. (laughs) Yes. A pastrami sandwich. There's a burrito. A burrito is a sandwich, apparently. <laughs> no, it is not. I, that is unacceptable. Neither is a taco. Taco's kind of like a sandwich. Hot dog, not either. It hot is, dog Mitt, is not a it sandwich. It is Mitt Romney's favorite meat. He likes hot dog best. I wonder how many times we brought that up on this program. <laughs> not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Never. Once is not enough. We, every week. Pastrami and rye, everybody. Go down to the corner of Six and Main. Get your tacos, get your burritos, get your enchiladas at Pastrami and Rye. To be clear, the place is named Pastrami and Rye. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, nary a mention of Pastrami and Rye. Nary a mention. Nary. Oh my gosh, Mary, we are back for the second half. Hopefully there'll only be a third of season three, episode 28 of the Melrose Place cast. We are discussing the episode, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. No, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. We talked about this already. Mary, why don't you kick us off? I'm going to talk about the one you just talked about, which I also called, well, I hate to rub it in, little brother, but I'm the best (laughs) she's ever had. Oh, well, did she hate him rubbing it in? (laughs) See, listen, maybe we're the dirty ones or me. Not bitch slap. Whatever. Okay, go ahead. Down there in rural Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to repeat the whole thing. So yeah, so I'm just going to talk about the th- parts that I thought were especially trashy. Uh, so J- Jake is literally like putting Wolfman stuff out on the curb in front of the apartment. <laughs> Wolfgang. Wolfgang, I'm sorry. And Wolfgang comes down and he's like, 
oh, what's going on? And he's like, I'm firing you and throwing you out. And he says, does this have something to do with me and Joe? <laughs> what do you think? Jesus. Jake's <laughs> um, like, just hand over your keys and pay your phone bill. We'll call it even. And Jess is like, who do you think you are? You don't own her. And I'm like, I don't want to do this again. I feel like this is <laughs> and he says, you're just mad that a woman as hot as Joe chose me over the great Jake Hansen. <sighs> like, I don't, do people talk like this? And Jake's like, you're scum. And Wolfgang is like, you can't handle the fact that Joe's going to be digging her nails into my back. I'm like, I don't talk like about people. Like, I just don't like this. Uh, Jake's like, uh, Jake is also like, shut up. Jess calls her good stuff, Jake. I can't believe you'd ever give it up. <laughs> Classy. That was that the moment he lost his feminist card, his male feminist been. card. Yeah, that might have been it. Jake calls him a son of a bitch and punches him right in the schnocker, which I enjoyed. I don't usually condone violence. But you yeah, don't Joe usually comes, use the word schnocker either. I don't know what that is really. I think I just made it up. And oh my god, Jess Wolfgang is like, he just started hitting me. <laughs> like <laughs> Jake says, as of now, we're not brothers, we're not friends. We're nothing to each other. I never want to see your face again. And there's guitar licks. <laughs> Joe, like a dipshit, shows up at the bar to talk to Jake. And Jake does not want to talk to her. And she keeps following him and kind of follows him into that supply closet or whatever. He's like, I get to be mad about this. Like, you have destroyed my trust. You didn't tell me what was going on. You did it all behind my back. Joe's like, Jake, we're just friends. Like, it's not like I'm having an affair. Which, you know what? Fair point. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, you can see whoever you want, but you used to be a better judge of character. And I wrote, when? <laughs> when has Joe ever been a good judge of character on this show? Like, other than Jake, every guy she's dated is like a total dirtbag. But okay. Uh, she sings him back and she's like, I didn't think you'd be the type of guy who can't stop competing with his big brother. <laughs> I'm going to pinch the show. I'm getting real sick of this brother talk. She says, this is all about you not getting what you want. And he's like, you're wrong, lady. It's about betrayal and disrespect on both of your parts. And as long as you're together, I want nothing to do with either one of you. She goes, done. And he shuts the door in her face. Uh, like we discussed, Jess is at a non-shooter's pool bar. Uh, he's talking to some goons who are talking about how they rob liquor stores and like which places are the most lucrative to rob. It's a real intellectual goon talk, I wrote in my notes. Uh, one of the walks by and Jake purposely whacks him with the pool cue and he's like, I thought this was a pool hall, but I guess it's a sewing circle, which I is I don't know what that means. Does that just mean like they're talking like a bunch of women? Is that what is it sexist? I think it probably is. Um, the guy's like, who do you think you are? And Jess is like, you're a loudmouth with bad manners. So the guy punches him. Yay! Jess keeps getting punched in this episode. And the goons hold him up and they rough him up some more. And then the guy's like, I've killed men for less than this. And Jess is like, don't kill me, I'll hire you. <laughs> Which again, I don't understand. Is can you do that in reality? Like if you're getting beat up, like wait, wait, stop hitting me! I'll hire you to hit someone else. I don't see why not. That seems like a good way to get out of it. Can you please like give that idea to like some of your younger nieces and nephews when they're fighting <laughs> each other and sisters and be like, like offer to pay your sister off and go beat up the other sibling. Like let me know if it works. Uh, so yeah, he hires the goons to evidently just kill Jake uh, and. Then he goes home and tells Joe, not that he's going to kill Jake, but that like, she's just the best thing, baby. And then they start banging on the kitchen counter again. I'm like, just stop it. Just eat your dinner and shut up. Uh, like you said, Jake is at the bar. Sydney is there after her pastrami on rye fiasco. Uh, and she <laughs> tells 
Cindy that he's gotten rid of Jess, uh, Wolfgang. He fired him and he kicked him out. And Cindy says, good for you. I wish I could get rid of my sibling that easily, <laughs> which really made me laugh. Uh, then the goon shows up and they're clearly casing the joint. And they do that for a little bit. And then they pull out their guns. They tell everybody to get on the floor. And like you said, Jake is like, I don't want any trouble, man. And the goon's like, get on the floor with everybody else. And Jake's like, let's just, it's cool, man. Like, let's just take it easy. What do you want? And the goons want everybody's money and their wallets and nobody should move. And everybody that does going to get their head blown off. And this is at that point where I thought, well, they should just offer the goons some money and say like, hey, don't knock my head off. Go here's someone else. You can go meet us. <laughs> Why not? Why not? No one does that. Jake tells Jake, I will say, does a very good job. He's being very calm, and he's, like, telling all the patrons, like, just stay calm and, like, hand the things over. No one's going to get hurt. The head goon tells Jake to open the register, and so Jake pretends to drop some money. Well, he drops money on the floor, but he does it on purpose, and he goes down, and he pushes. There's a security button behind the bar, so he taps that. So that, that must call the cops, I guess. I don't know from security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the goon's like, get up, buddy boy, and Jake does, and he shoots Jake in the chest, and Sydney screams and runs over to help him, and the goons run out with all the other goons, and Jake is leaning back against the bar and he's been shot. Um, really, the Jake parts of this, I didn't mind. It was really the goon part. Again, I don't understand. Can you just, as you're having the shit beat out of you, offer to pay the guy beating you up to go beat someone else up? I don't know if that's a thing, but I would like someone to try and report back. I Listen, when I find myself imagining a scenario where I'm going to hire goons, I often think like, you know what, listen, I'm going to pay them good money for whatever job they're going to do. Like, maybe it's not so bad if they rough me up a little bit first. I guess that's a good, that's a really positive outlook. <laughs> I don't hire many goons. I, what, how often are you hiring goons? Not enough. Not enough. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's a goon desert down here in Milwaukee. We you don't. Rural Milwaukee? <laughs> You are technically in rural Milwaukee, aren't you? No, I am in the suburbs. There's a shopping mall that I can walk to. But what's ne- what are the suburbs but the thing next to Milwaukee, which would be rural Milwaukee? No, no, no. There's no rural Mo- There is no rural Milwaukee. There are no fucking cows anywhere in this county. I think no. that edge, the edge around no. the suburbs. No, no. Because there's another round of suburbs outside of us. That's, Those, a, that's rural Milwaukee. I'm in a first, first of all, okay, but that, that's not me. But second of all, I'm a first ring suburb, which is practically in the city at this point, right? I, like, I see. might as well be there. <laughs> yeah, it's the mean streets. How many elevators are there in your neighborhood? <laughs> well, there's one in the mall and so many escalators, Mary. There's only one in the mall? Why would there be more than one? We've got escalators everywhere. Oh, no, 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 there's two. Some people can't go on escalators. Well, those people don't deserve to be at the mall. <laughs> I'm going to call some goons. <laughs> yeah. make you're going to hire them to come back after me. Make, make, sure they have, make sure they have piercing piercing eyes. That guy, he looked like a reject from Greece. Like, <laughs> like he didn't get into the gang with Kaniki. Like, they're like, nope. Like I, I never watched that movie. Okay, let me I tell you about that for a second. <laughs> let me tell you about Matthew. You may not have chosen to watch it, but you watched it. <laughs> let me tell you about Matt and Paul because Matt is getting oh, an interesting storyline. Yeah, it's cooking. It's starting and, to cook. A, and as of this point, an artistic and realistic storyline. I think okay. it goes off the rails next week. I really do. 
I think it started to go off this week, but I'm going to let you have it. Oh, I don't think so. Okay. So here's, <laughs> here's what had happened. Uh, I think it was just last week. I don't know, Mary, it's been so long since I watched this episode, but Matt met a sexy new doctor. Uh, Matt said to Michael something about Jeffrey to yes. his ex-boyfriend and Paul, Dr. Paul said, is that guy gay? And Michael said, yeah, what about it? Anyway, yeah, so Paul kind of tracked out Matt in the gym and spotted him while he was lifting weights. Why they didn't just do it then, I don't know. Well, they were in the hospital gym. They weren't my Appleton friends, I can tell you that. Anyway, uh, they <laughs> they hook up. Matt has Paul over. Uh, they had sex. And then Paul sneaks into Matt's living room and uses Matt's phone to call his wife and say he's working late while Matt is sleeping post-sex in his room. Okay? Okay. So, uh, Matt, uh, Paul co- or Matt comes to find Paul, Dr. Paul, and he tells him that they had a wonderful time last night, but Dr. Paul forgot his pager. And while he's there, Matt sees a picture of Paul's wife when he dropped off the beeper. Mm-hmm. Mary, do you prefer the term pager or beeper? America wants to know. I think I say pager, but I prefer beeper because it's more... I say pager and I prefer pager. That's why I say it. So, okay. Um, I'm glad we settled that. Anyway, Matt, conf- I don't know why you would, if you prefer the word beeper, why you would say a different word. Because I feel like pager sounds more professional. Yes. But beeper is more fun. No, beeper sounds like that fucking Muppet beaker. That's probably why I like it. Yeah, it's probably why I hate it. All right. Okay. So yeah, we did settle it. Anyway. Not with Muppet hate. <laughs> Just, just take that in every ladies and gentlemen or whoever's listening to this is makes the Muppets. I have it. I have an email to read at the end of this episode. We got an, an email. email to the Melrose Place cast at gmail.com. Can I send it? I might have nope, sent nope. it. Okay. All right. So anyway, Matt confronts Paul about this lady on his desk. And Paul says it comes out and he says, I'm just confused and I'm scared. And Matt's the only man he's ever been with and he's confused. Blah, 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 Guys. blah, blah. What? I think he's lying. Anyway, Matt. Um, this, by the way, was not the gay agenda we all had in the 90s. In the 90s, it was all very clear to all of us. Our job was to suffer through these fucking bisexual bullshit, these closet cases, and help them out because we had to increase our numbers and we couldn't all turn our backs to them because then they would just go cause more problems for us. We had to increase our numbers. We did. Listen, here's why the gay rights movement made such progress and why we could get married and have children and all of those things. <laughs> I know what you mean, but it's yes, just funny We had a secret weapon, which is we have gay people scattered evenly throughout the population in every family, in every conservative household, in every church, there's gay people there. As long as they come out. And Ellen DeGeneres herself talked about, gave a speech, an impassioned speech to celebrities everywhere. Come out, everybody. Wherever you are, come out, come out, wherever you are. That, I actually think that was a tagline for the coming out day one time. Now we're supposed to say you don't have to come out, it's fine. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Get your fucking ass out of the closet. Let people know. If it's difficult for you, that's how we fix it. Anyway. We have to increase our numbers. Yeah, we have to increase our numbers. And Matt... Like someone who works in admissions. <laughs> Matt, defies, Matt defies the gay agenda and says to Paul... Uh, who said, Paul said he's confused. He needs help. And Matt said, buy a book and figure it out. Okay. Go down to the Barnes and Noble or whatever chain used to exist. Borders. Yeah, not something we would say anymore. We would say download an app and figure it out. (laughs) Anyway, Paul said he needs help and asked Matt, was coming out so easy for you? And it wasn't. And we know this because Matt's dad is so proud of him. Is his dad dead yet? No, dad's not dead yet. Okay, sorry. Because dad's going to help out with a lawyer. 
right. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. The lawyer's Sorry. coming. We're going to get another black female character, but she won't last. Anyway, they're talking did. more. And Matt says, do you sleep with her? And Paul says, hardly. Which, are you sleeping hardly or are you hardly sleeping with her? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Matt says, and this is high art for the generation. Some people spend a lifetime denying their feelings, which this is a true fact. I looked it up in my own thoughts. And sure enough, Matt's quote here in 1995, some people spend a lifetime denying their feelings was in fact the um, the impetus, the idea, the, the formation of the song. Some people wait a lifetime for a moment like this, which Kelly Clarkson sang when she won American Idol in 2002 when all of us were in college. I said all of us because it was me and it was you. And according to Spotify, all of our listeners, you weren't in college in 2002? I was done. Oh, my God. Oh, girl, I was. we're not staying a minute longer than four years. <laughs> I started late. I, I started late because I went and then I then I had to leave. Um, anyway, <laughs> some people spend a lifetime denying their feelings. That Joking about Kelly Clarkson aside, that is actually, I think, hired for the generations. And what they are, now they're going to take this to some, some soap opera places, but... This is realistic. The like, they did this a little bit with Jeffrey. The struggling with your sexuality, with society, coming sure. to terms with your parents, your family, everybody, your wife. Uh, the number. Of, listen, when they're used to, back in the day when they were gay dads, Mary, it's because they had wives that had birthed these children for them. They didn't do it the way we do it, where we have to like go through some process and it's an expensive ordeal. Kids are, you know, when when straight people say kids are expensive, they mean after they get the baby. Yeah, you got to pay up front, but then we pay after. Like, <laughs> that's how that yeah. works. Anyway. It's free to okay. cook them, but it's not free to get them out. <laughs> okay. It's not even free to cook them, I stop guess. It. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. Anyway, some people spend a lifetime denying their feelings. That's the high art for the generation. They're, they're, they're shining a light inside the closet. The storyline continues. Uh, Matt's going to come by. He decides to help Paul, but not be in a relationship with him. And Matt's there. And they're talking, blah, 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 blah. They're at Paul's house. And Paul says, why don't you come upstairs? And Matt says, we're just supposed to talk. And Paul says, we can upstairs. Woo! Okay. He went to, he lived in Appleton with me. Uh, let me tell you that. That was, I recognize that line. Anyway, uh, later, uh, Mrs. Paul, I'm sure she has her own name. Uh, Mrs. Paul storms into Matt Fielding's office and says, how dare you, you disgusting piece of trash, and implies that Matt Fielding, sweet little gay Matt, is taking advantage of Dr. Paul and his confusion. And to this I say, I know this, I'm about to fall off the, the gay agenda. Bisexuality, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stage you pass through. Come on over. At least in the 90s it was. Come on over. We got to increase our numbers. <laughs> Stop. Listen, listen. Christopher is probably going to disagree with my current position, <laughs> but I'm sure Christopher can attest to the accuracy of what I'm saying from the 90s. I I think you're probably correct about that. I oh no, I I am. I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's my that's my argument, Mary. What's your what's your last one? I mean, I will just say, like, it does it did strain. I believe it was a little bit of a strain, even for Matt, who is very kind. Like after he found out about the wife to still go to the house for the evening, I thought was a little. Oh, he knew what he was doing. 
but he said he was really hurt by the whole thing, which I believe. And it seems like then you wouldn't continue. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's it to me it was a little bit of a story strain. Like mm. I get they had to get him there for other reasons, including a chat upstairs. But anyway, all right. Uh, okay, this is my final one. I call it. I take it you were notified of my malpractice suit. <laughs> ridiculous storyline that i it's it's cooking it's again much like the matt one it's it's cooking it's it's building so we we start with kimberly and michael called into the hospital ceo's office whose name is calvin hobbs which is funny it's like a cartoon <laughs> yeah. Strip. yeah let me make that obvious for you uh he michael has given him a copy of kimberly's suicide note and clearly this is a very serious situation, but he doesn't think Michael had good intentions. He thinks that Michael was trying to contribute to their acrimonious divorce, which <laughs> completely accurate. He thinks it's reprehensible that they're drawing the hospital into their bullshit. He says, you can drag each other through the mud all you want on your own time, but you need to knock it off at work. And thank God you didn't have children. <laughs> if he finds out about any more incidents of spitefulness, as he said, they're both going to get suspended. And so they sarcastically shake hands and walk out of his office. Uh, later, Kimberly shows up at Amanda's office at D&D. And she's like, I'm here to apologize for blaming you for my failed marriage. <laughs> um, she's like, I should have aimed my anger at Michael. Amanda's like, uh, it's moot. I'm not seeing him anymore. And frankly, I think you married a very sick man. Kimberly says, thank God. I was hoping you'd see the light. Amanda's like, why? And Kimberly says, it's going to make what I'm about to tell you easier to hear. And she says, Amanda, you didn't survive your cancer because of Michael. You survived it in spite of him. And she mm. says, Michael has a big history with bad medicine. He screwed up Amanda's first treatment. And then he took advantage of her emotionally and physically and left her with a big ass medical bill. And Amanda's like, what are you suggesting? And Kimberly says, you should sue him and use me as your inside source at the hospital and it could be quite the lucrative financial windfall. Amanda's not into it. She's like, I don't want to go through lengthy litigation. And Kimberly's like, girl, he is a dangerous man who needs to be stopped. And she's like, here's my number. Call me, baby. Is that how that goes? I think that's how that song goes. So later. Uh, not at all. Not at all. Later, uh, we find out that Amanda must have called because Michael bursts into Amanda's office. And she's like, I take it you were notified of my malpractice suit. He calls her a cold-blooded bitch and says, guess what? You're not getting away with this. And she says, you're in violation of my restraining order. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, you think some piece of paper is going to stop me? Brooke is in the meeting. Uh, she's in the room. So she's like, I'm calling the cops. And he grabs Brooke and he's like, mind your own business and tries to take the phone away from her. Amanda pulls him off of her. He's like, she's like, yeah, get out of here. And he says, this suit's never going to make it to court. Never. Brooke is back on the phone calling the cops. Amanda's like, you need to leave now. And he does. Brooke's like, are you okay, Amanda? And Amanda says, I'm okay, but I'm amazed because, quote, I always thought Kimberly was the kook. Later, Amanda's working at home in the evening and the lights go out. She goes to check her fuse back after she finds her flashlight. And then she hears her door click open and the door, it drifts open ominously. She darts to look through the door and look out on the little porch thingy or whatever you call it. And there's a shadowy figure walking away in a trench coat and a fedora and it looks like Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> she turns back toward her door and there's an ominous note stuck to it that says, we're not finished yet, dot, dot, dot. And I wrote here in my notes, that was clearly Kimberly dressed like Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> and sure enough, 
We cut to a motel, and that shadowy figure is walking into a darkened motel room. And we cut to Amanda calling Kimberly, and she's, I've been trying to reach you. And when the lamp in the room turns on, of course, it's Kimberly taking off the Carmen Sandiego fedora. Amanda's like, I just saw Michael leaving my place. He was in a trench coat and fedora. And Kimberly says, oh, that must have been absolutely terrifying as she slips off her long gloves. And Amanda says, Michael's trying to scare me. Um, the best part of the storyline so far was uh, Michael coming to his office and wrestling with Brooke, because I don't think they've ever met before. So that was a weird little pairing of people. And then the fedora and trench coat thing was really ridiculous and very hilarious and over the top. Because it was clearly a woman. It was clearly a woman wearing that. It was definitely, like, there were boobs. Like, there was no mistaking it. But it was funny. It, it was. This is, I just, this whole episode, I'm like, let's just kill Jess and blow up this building, please. Let's just, like, what are we, like, come on. Let's get what to it. Yeah, like, please. Like, I get it. Oklahoma City, people died, blah, blah, blah Timothy Bay. But let's just hurry up. I am ready to be done with this season mary we haven't even met the person who's going to die in the i was thinking of that too right because the the episode our episode that just dropped before we recorded this was about christopher was on it was episode 24 yeah yeah and i said christopher you've watched this season the pacing i'm worried about because this was now now four episodes ago we just finished 24 i was like we we did we haven't even met the hearts mackenzie hart is not here she has to hurry up and get here because she has to hurry up and leave. So to speak. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. There we go. Mary, did you have any other highlights that you would like to make? Any other notes? We didn't. Re- I don't want to recap the whole thing because it's boring, frankly. But the whole Allison thing. Where it she- is not boring. How absolutely dare you? Listen. Brooke set up an interview for Allison to go interview with Haley Armstrong. And she got Allison out of the whole fucking country, out of the continent, out of the hemisphere, out of the semisphere, I believe. He got it done in like five minutes. Amanda's been trying for four, like three seasons. And she's gone. (laughs) Now, Allison is confiding in Brooke that she wants to repair her relationship with Billy. And Brooke's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, get the fuck out, sister. And I love that she took the the note that Allison wrote, and then she's just like, nope. <laughs> Allison gave Brooke a note to deliver to Billy when Allison was dropped off at the airport to go spend a year in Japan. After Allison said to Billy, what should I do? Tell me not to go. And Billy was like, I think you should go. There's no downsides. Which he said to her because Brooke said, you better tell her there's no downsides. But Brooke took that note from Allison, crumpled it up, and threw it over her shoulder in, at the airport, at the drop-off line. You can't post 9-11, you can't go throwing fucking things outside your car. But here's the biggest note that I had about this. Yes. This job was going to be such a great opportunity for Allison. A lot more money than she made as president of DD advertising. And it was a hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't know how that works out in 90s dollars. Whatever it was, she must have been making more as president of DD. But she wasn't president for very long, so maybe that factors in. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll maybe concede that. But it, it was like an interim. <laughs> it it struck me as a, a moment that was weird. One of my favorite lines from that whole plot line. Well, first of all, it's when there's so there's a phone call and Brooke's dad offers Allison the job, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And she's standing there eating peanut butter out of a jar, which always makes me laugh. 
because uh, that seems realistic. I, literally, I would do that. I do that a lot. Uh, oh, and so he offers Allison the job. She's like, and she doesn't know it's in Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> and she's that like, should, here, a message to employers. That should come up in the interview. You should let people know if they have to move out of the country. And so he hangs up and then Brooke is there and she's like, oh, thank you, daddy. <laughs> and then the scene where uh, Brooke is telling Billy about Allison getting the job and Billy at first is like, I don't think that's a good idea. Allison doesn't do well alone, which is fair. And Brooke's like, your own sentimentality is getting in the issue. And he needs to realize, quote, he has the power to keep Allison here in the shadow of all her shortcomings and failures. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> That's heavy. She's a this Brooke is a playful minx. Like <laughs> he, he is, but God help her, she gets results. Look how much she's gotten done in like four episodes. Like here, here's the thing about Brooke the intern. Um she is like the photographer from the 1993 outdoor WrestleMania. Do you remember this? That was the main event was Hulk Hogan versus Yokozuna, and a Japanese photographer stood up on the edge of the 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 ring outside the ropes during the match to take a picture, which you're not supposed to do, Mary. But that's why he had to be from out of the country. He didn't know the customs of American wrestling. But he stood up to take a picture. You wouldn't believe it. The referee was distracted with Mr. Fuji. No. Yeah. Yep. And so the, Hulk Hogan goes to tell the photographer to get down. And the photographer takes a picture. But boom, flash paper burns a fireball on Hulk Hogan's face. And that's how Yokozuna beats him and became the WWF champion. A, a belt he held for didn't wear held for over a year uh all because much like brooke that flash paper burned bright but it was short-lived i bet she'd fit in the belt though she she would fit in the belt yeah you know what she wouldn't need to do she wouldn't need to make extra notches on that belt to wear it no but if she's like if she if she won a sexing contest with a sibling she could she could choose to do it i can't imagine and listen this i'm Call me a prude. Go right ahead. I don't have a sister, but I can't imagine like, hey, I got with this. Now you go take, let me know. Don't don't try and trick me, Mary. I know how the straights are doing things. (laughs) I know what's happening. Remember, I have straight brothers. Why do you ever? (laughs) (laughs) They're about as straight as they come. (laughs) Oh my God. Mary, uh, before we wrap up, can I read you this fan mail we got? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is exciting. Yep. It came to us from, I I believe, I'm going to assume I have permission to use the full name uh, because it's from the subject center. Um, uh, It is Oliver Arter. And the subject is about a Randall Cannon. And uh, the message, it was sent today, uh, which is January 9th, as we record this, at 8.04 a.m. And it says... Uh, yes, central. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you for clarifying. Now, good listeners need to know. Um, We're all Milwaukee. Yeah. So here's what Oliver Arter said. And listeners, if you want to email him back, you can email OliverArter2012 at gmail.com. Okay. Oliver says, I counseled the late Mr. Robert Cannon. He left behind an estate. You bear the same last name with him, which gives you the legal entitlement to his estate, for there is no known relative. Please do not get, oh no, please do get in touch via email with your contact details for comprehensive information. Sent Oliver Arter dash attorney at symbol law. So maybe he could be a sponsor. Mary, listen, I don't want to 
take all the profits from this podcast. So I have went ahead and sent them your information. Oh, great. So oh, I believe you'll be getting a deposit soon. I gave them your bank account. Oh my God. That's so like thoughtful of you. My yeah. goodness. Thank you so much. I God, what will we, what can we use that money on? Like, Listen, do you know how I got your bank account information? Because you live in a small town. I just put on my accent to sound like your mother. <laughs> and I said, oh, you know, it, I just gotta, I gotta just give Mary a little, little something for Christmas. I forgot to get her a gift card, you know, oh, from, you know, from the grocery store. I forgot to pay her for that Roomba. So I got to put a little money in the account. <laughs> and they just give it away. Can I tell you a, a very short grocery store story to compare, to contrast with your Woodman story. So there is a regional grocery store chain here that is, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. not, it's no Woodman's. Nope. Um, and they very recently in my town got self-checkouts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I want to point out is you're now 2023. And so like mm-hmm. within the last, I'm going to say five months, if even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where they got these self-checkout machines. I don't know like what. Oh, you're are. blaming the machine. Oh my I'm God. The machine. So I don't know if they got these secondhand from some other grocery store, but like, they are the most janky, like they're so, it's like when they first made self-checkout machines and like if, if even like a hair landed where the bag was, like something is here that should not be here, abort, abort. Like, <laughs> stop, stop, abort. stop. <laughs> so, I, went the, I went in the other day and it is not a joke. My parents frequently buy me uh, for holidays gift cards to the grocery store because they like, they like them. So they assume everyone wants them. <laughs> and I had one for $25 and I, I walked there on my lunch break because a blizzard was coming and I thought I'm gonna get my stuff. I'm gonna get my walk-in. I'm like, I, I got 25 bucks on this gift card. And like, God help you. My total was 2503. Like never that good at math. Did great. So I put my little gift card in. There's a whole bunch of shit you gotta do. It's not like you can just put it in. You gotta like click 25 buttons. It processes. I, I owe three cents, right? This is great. Mm-hmm. I got three pennies because I'm an old lady now and I always got pennies in my purse. Hold on, hold on. I have the change. I have, You probably want the change, don't you? It's better for you to have it anyway. During this pandemic, they're always saying they want change. So oh I'm like, God, I'll man. give them some change. So I'm standing there and it's like, I'm trying to put the money in and it's like, no, no, you can't. You can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. And I'm like, I don't know what that, like, don't, how am I supposed to do? Like, hit, you, you, you hit it. You hit it. Just tell the kid behind I, you to say, bye, mom. I can't because it's one of my former coworkers' kids. It's they know me. Of course. Right. Oh, that's the one that gave me your bank account information. It probably is. So the little, this lovely little person comes over and she's like, I'm explaining what happened because it doesn't make any, it's not. I will remind you, this machine is here for efficiency. It's supposed to be. And they go, you can't put money in after you used a gift card. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And so they're like, they're like, duh, dipshit. Where are you from? And they Probably a town with only a dozen elevators. Rural Milwaukee. So they lean in. So like the machine can't hear. And they're like, I know this is really stupid. These machines really suck. <laughs> <laughs> the machines probably are listening. They probably do. That's probably why they're so belligerent. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you, I, she's like, I know you're literally standing here with three pennies, but we can't put them in the machine. It won't take them. It will just spit them back out. She said, you have to use your debit card. <laughs> <laughs> she could have waved the three cents. She could have sent you packet with your fucking marshmallows. She did not need to make you put it in your debit the card for gonna three cents. The till is going to be off. Not if she took the three off? pennies in her little fucking leprechaun hand. Problem. This isn't her problem. It's the system's problem. So anyway, yeah, I had to run a debit transaction for three cents. That After all my me. careful planning. 
Do you remember when I owed you a, like a large sum of like $4 and I gave it to you over nine different checks in various yeah, amounts yeah. spread <laughs> apart by weeks and you cashed them all? I cashed everyone. <laughs> I think I cashed them all at once though, didn't I? I don't think I went one by one. They, they In a couple batches, they went in. I was more, not for your sake, but more for the bank because I, I want them to respect me. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll give all my info to my mother. I, I should have put on my Kimberly Shaw voice and be like, I'm Mary's nurse. <laughs> Where is she staying again? Just tell me what hotel she booked. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Mary, we have got to wrap it up. We've gone on too long. Oh my God, have we ever. Mary, can I tell you a story about one of my dumb nephews? I would love that. I don't want to get tracked down because, as you know, my mother has started listening to these. But Is she still? I don't think so. Not according to the download statistics. But Her, her stats would skew a different direction. <laughs> yes. Uh, but one of my dumb nephews said he wanted to take $100 bills, wash the ink off of them, and counterfeit them as singles just for the sheer joy of watching the FBI wonder what the fuck is wrong with you. Okay. This makes sense. Now, I can't believe this plan. A couple problems, of course. Of course. Sure. The FBI is not, no one is trying to break counterfeit singles. Nobody cares. <laughs> you can counterfeit as many of those as you want, everybody. It's fine. But second of all, dipshit, the FBI isn't in charge of counterfeit money. That's the Secret Service. Ironically, the sponsor of this week's episode of the Melrose Place cast, the oh. United States Secret Service, Mary. Okay. Because not only do they protect presidents and vice presidents and former presidents and former presidents, spouses and presidential children, but they're also in charge of protecting money. What about presidential cats? Presidential cats, otherwise known as personal panthers. You know, if you think about it, a cat really is just a personal purse-sized panther. Really is that you get to keep in your own house? Because if you ever thought, I wish I could have a panther in my house, get a cat. I thought it three times. Well, the Secret Service—they've got a tough job, Mary. You know what? Yeah. With protecting the president and the vice president and all the former ones, especially when they turn on each other and try and get the other ones killed by angry mobs. Because then so you have like different factions working, different sets of Secret Service who have to protect themselves from each other. So they've come up with a new secret code that we're about to bust wide open here on this week's episode of the Melrose Place cast. I, Mary, had no prior knowledge of any criminal activities. So one of the things that the Secret Service has to do, what they're supposed to do, is just stand there when they're they're protected or doing something stupid. Okay. No more. They're going to step in. So when you're about to say something stupid, there's a code word, a code phrase, actually, that you can use. And the Secret Service will do one of those little things that shuts off all recording devices. So nobody can catch you saying something stupid. That's great. The code word? Pastrami on rye. <laughs> Think about it, Mary. Can I just give you some examples of how this new system would have saved some presidential level figures from some serious embarrassment? Oh, God, I hope that you will. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Okay. Do you remember when he whispered into a fucking microphone? This is a big fucking deal. That was so great. As soon as he said it, all he or the president needed to say was pastrami on rye. The feed would have cut out retroactively. There's the six second buffer. He'd yeah. be fine. We wouldn't know that he was a badass like that. <laughs> Another example. When you find yourself in an interview saying, 
and I took the initiative in creating the internet, all Tipper would need it to do was just yell pastrami on rye behind you, and that would be wiped away from, ironically, the internet. <laughs> Maybe in a moment of anger, you would utter, such a nasty woman. All Again, pastrami on rye, it's gone. It's gone. The Secret Service just wipes the slate clean. Oof, a smoke. Or perhaps it's your inauguration, and you're about to say, this American carnage stops right here. Because Steve Bannon told you to? No, 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 no. Someone, anyone, anyone in the crowd just needs to shout, pastrami on rye, and it goes away. Wow. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps you're about to ruin a presidential election but by issuing the following statement. We are, one week before the election, reopening the investigation on Hillary Clinton's email servers because you're an enormously tall FBI agent like Jane Mancini's father. Don't trust anybody who's too tall, everybody. Watch out for those tallies. Now, what about what about it? Air's thin up there. Air's too thin. They're fucking high as a kite. They send their best friend in for red Doritos and Oreos. You stick with the short people eating the red Doritos. You can trust them. Or what if you're trying to blend in with the normal people and you're going to say, I like hot dog best. I like hamburger next best. Someone behind you is going to shout pastrami on rye, please. And it's gone. And then they're going to think you like pastrami on rye best. Or perhaps you're going to issue this statement. Legitimately. My belief is we will, in fact, be greeted as liberators. Oh, God. That was Dick Cheney. How did we all come to have, just have a crush on his daughter? I think we're just, we're just so hungry. I can't believe that happened. But I love her. I, would, I, I love her. I love her. I would never vote for her. But I would, I would do a lot of other things for her. I would, I would shovel her sidewalk. I was yes okay well, what about this say you, say you you get yourself all twisted around and you're about to say this on live national television and I can see Russia from my house again just quickly you'll you know as soon as you said it that that was stupid and then you're gonna say and I need a pastrami on rye and then it's gone and and Saturday Night Live can't do anything to you nothing you're free as a goddamn bird yeah, yeah. Or what about maybe you're going to say, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Girl, that's going to come back to bite you. Pastrami on rye. Wow. Young, young man, come back and put the E at the end of potato. Do you remember that, Dan Quayle? Cuts now. This is yeah. like... Fucking Dan Quayle. He was going to be president of the United States. Fucking Dan Quayle. Is and he still alive? Uh, I, I believe he is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because no, Mike Pence called him and asked him what to do about Donald Trump wanting to overthrow the election. Dan Quayle. You know you're you're working hard when you get down to Dan Quayle. I don't think I've had a George Bush quote yet. No. How about this one? Maybe you're gonna say Saddam Hussein and his sons have 48 hours to leave Iraq. That's a mistake. You're about to launch a war on the wrong country. It's gonna destroy your presidency. Pastrami on rye. Pastrami on rye. Pastrami on rye. Killed 100,000 people, you fucking butcher. And we're supposed to like him now, too, because he's not Donald Trump. He makes those cute little paintings of dogs. But now picture it. Picture it. The last use case that the Secret Service can save you from. They're just here saving you from yourself, you fucking idiot. How did you get elected president of the United States? (laughs) So sometimes you you create a chance for your, your people, right? You know, you know the big ones like, lock her up. Lock her up. That's oh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You gotta lock her up because she emails about yoga schedules or whatever. <laughs> they can change 
Two, they can change the chant to pastrami on rye, pastrami on rye. It doesn't flow well, but listen, it's better than the other chant you just started, which is hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence. Someone is going to dub over that pastrami on rye, pastrami on rye, and you will no longer go to jail. Can they make it auto-tune so it's like a song? Pastrami on rye. Yes, they they should. That'll be the next release when the app comes out. I'm going to write that down. But I'm going to pass it along to this week's sponsor, the United States Secret Service, with their new passcode, Pastrami on Rye. I'm just so glad that they found a way to utilize this uh, in a way that glorifies democracy and this great nation of ours. Well, Pastrami on Rye. We don't call it a great nation. (laughs) We have to remember slavery, the original sin. This flawed nation that's ever increasing in perfection. Taking one more step to a more perfect union. That's what we say now. I don't so make the rules. Wanted, we also don't have Columbus Day anymore. You never want to take $100 bills, erase them, and make them $1. <laughs> he thought... Does he go to? <laughs> Which district? Is it in rural Milwaukee somewhere? He went to... Uh, I, I can't... He, uh, I, this is an adult? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's 30. Yeah, yeah. We're, I'm all worried. <laughs> yeah. I was too. We were... Listen... <laughs> I introduced him as my dumb nephew. I don't know what you want from me. Was he having a day where, let's say, he was really hungry for some red Doritos and a two-liter Mountain Dew? <laughs> no, so that's, a, di- that's a different this. nephew. Uh, this one is um, having a, a 36-hour-long birthday party where anyone can come by his house to play board games like Settlers of Catan. Well, now I like him better again. Oh, well, I was going to say that explains the type. That we're... I don't think I've ever played that game. Well, it's listen... Fun. I've got a 36-hour window. You can come down to rural Milwaukee. Just get on the Greyhound and say, pastrami on rye. (laughs) All the fun people you meet on the Greyhound. So, wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? (laughs) I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. And, and uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two season spinoff. Of what? What do they of, do? of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. Lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Allie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. <laughs> oh God.